Hey everyone, welcome back to Sports Island. Of course, you know it's your getaway destination for sports news. And of course, you know that I'm your host, Rick Mitchell. Well, we uh, got back to a little bit of normalcy here in sports this past week. There wasn't any real drama, and all the games picked back up and continued rolling right along in all of the major pro sports. Um, But guess what? We get NFL football back this week, so that's super exciting, and um, let's just recap kind of what all went down this past week, and of course, there was a PGA Tour event, so we're going to start off there, but uh, this past weekend's tournament was the Tour Championship, which was held at Eastlake Golf Club in Atlanta, Georgia, and it was the final um, event of the 2020 calendar year for PGA or 2019-2020 calendar year and so only the top 30 golfers in the FedEx Cup standings got to participate and they started off Friday's round with staggered scoring based on their spot in those FedEx Cup standings and I misspoke last week when I said that it was only a three-day event Um, it was actually a regular four Four-day tournament this past weekend. They just played through Labor Day. tournament wrapped up on Monday. But the course itself was in great shape. Uh, It looked pristine. Uh, Definitely wish I could play on a course that nice. But uh, there there were some challenging holes for the golfers. And uh, there were definitely... uh, There was a collection of shots from this past weekend by various golfers of just complete flubs that made him look really human and made it look like something that us uh, amateurs could do. But uh, Dustin Johnson, he held the top spot in the FedEx Cup standings going into the Tour Championship. So he started atop the leaderboard at 10 under. When he teed off on Friday, he was at 10 under par. And he just picked up right where he has left off. Uh, He looked super sharp, just like he has for the last month. Uh, Justin Thomas and Xander Shoffley tried to mount a late comeback uh, on Monday, but uh, they were just a few shots behind and could never really uh, catch up. Uh, So DJ went wire to wire this past weekend to capture his first ever FedEx Cup and the $15 million bonus that goes with it. But uh, Dustin Johnson's win on Monday... It uh, was his sixth career playoff win, which is now the most all-time. It was his 23rd career victory and third this season. And if you recall, he hasn't finished worse than second in a month. Uh, Going back a month at the PGA Championship, he finished tied for second there. The following week, um, the Northern Trust... uh, his following event, he won with that outrageous 30 under par. The following week was the BMW Championship. He finished tied for second, losing in a playoff hole to Rom. Um, and then, of course, this past week, Tour Championship, and he won. So he's just been really lights out and just a remarkable year. So I'd, I'd look for him to be in contention for the U.S. Open here in a couple weeks. But this weekend, the PGA Tour heads over to Napa, California. It's the Safeway Open, 
and it is held at the Silverado Resort and Spa course. The course is going to play at a par 72, and this this week's field is just is not great. Very, very subpar. Uh, the Safeway Open is technically the first event of the 2020-2021 PGA calendar year. And speaking of that new calendar year, the PGA schedule is um, bigger than it's been in a long time. It features 50 events this year, making it the largest tour schedule since 1975. And the schedule also includes six majors this year and the Players' Championship. So there's going to be plenty of high-quality golf coming at us the next 12 months. But since we took a week off of Rick's picks to click for the Tour Championship due to the shortened field and staggered scoring, let's check out Rick's picks to click for this weekend's Safeway Open. And I'll start off with Jordan Spieth. Man, he's had a rough couple years on tour. Major ups and downs, uh, but he's one of my favorite golfers, and he just needs to get more consistent in all areas of his game. And he hasn't won since the Open Championship back in 2017. So he's he's definitely overdue for a win, and I don't see why it couldn't come this week in a lackluster field of players. But my second pick to click is going to be Phil Mickelson, uh, lefty. He's coming into the Safeway Open riding pretty high off his first victory on the PGA Tour Champions Tour uh, where he looked very good. Um, that was a couple weeks ago. He just looked really sharp. Had everything dialed in. He's a California guy, and he usually plays better on the West Coast courses, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was inside the top 25. Now, my final pick to click is going to be Matt Kuchar. And Kuch is another guy who's due for a win. Um, he won back in January in an Asian event, um, but he's really has not been playing great as of late. He only has four top 25s in his last 10 events. Uh, and he is ranked number 27 in the world, kind of been sliding down here recently. But again, with with the field of players we got this week, I just think Kuchar's probably a safe bet for the top 25 as well. But uh, we'll move over to the National Hockey League. And the NHL wrapped up their semifinal round series this past weekend. And so let's revisit my semifinal round picks. And in the Western Conference, the number one seed Vegas Golden Knights played the number five seed Vancouver Canucks. And Vegas had been pretty much dominant since they got into the bubble. And I liked for them to continue that. I picked Vegas in six games uh, in that series, but Vancouver showed some serious fight. Um... Vegas got up to a 3-1 series lead, but Vancouver fought back. They won two in a row, and they forced a Game 7. And in that Game 7, it was nothing-nothing until about six minutes left when Vegas scored the first goal of the game. It was just back and forth. Vancouver's goalie, Thatcher Demko, really kept him in it. He won them Games 5 and 6 basically by himself, and he almost snuck out a Game 7 for him too, but... Uh, Vegas ended up winning in seven games, so I got got the Vegas pick right. But the other series was the number two seed Colorado Avalanche playing the number three seed Dallas Stars. And I picked my hometown Stars in seven games just because of the goal-scoring prowess that they showed against Calgary in round one. And Dallas actually got off 
to a 3-1 series lead as well. Um, but Colorado just turned the Jets on big time in games five and six and just completely dominated both of those games to force a game seven. And as crazy as that Vancouver-Vegas Game 7 was, this Game 7 between Dallas and Colorado was just absolutely bonkers. Uh, Back and forth, goals were answered with goals within minutes. Uh, The game really stressed me the hell out. And uh, Dallas scored very late to tie it and send it to overtime. And in that overtime, it was Dallas rookie... Yoel Kibiranta, he scored the game winner to complete his hat trick in that game and give the Stars the series win. You just couldn't have scripted that. Um, Kibiranta, he played in two games in the first round. This was his first game in the second round. and All he did was go out there and score three goals, including the overtime game winner, to put the Stars into the Western Conference Finals. So I correctly picked both of the Western Conference semifinal round series. But in the Eastern Conference, the number one seed Philadelphia Flyers played the number six seed New York Islanders. And I talked about on my original picks that I really liked how the Islanders have been playing so far in the bubble. And I actually picked the Islanders in an upset. And this series went seven games as well. Um, And in game seven, the Islanders blanked the Flyers 4 nothing to advance. So I got that pick right as well. And the final semifinal round series was the number two seed Tampa Bay Lightning and the number four seed Boston Bruins. And Boston was forced to roll with their backup goalie Yaroslav Halak after their starter Tuka Rask decided to leave the bubble a couple weeks ago in their first round series. Uh, I just couldn't see Boston upsetting Tampa so I picked the Lightning in seven. Uh, but Tampa Bay actually won in five games. Their series was the only uh, series that did not go seven games, so they actually got some extended rest out of the deal as well. So overall, I went 4-0 and in my NHL semifinal round picks. So now that we're in the Western Conference Finals, we're down to four teams, one series on each side. In the West, you got the Vegas Golden Knights against my Dallas Stars. This series is going to be a gong show. Uh, This is Dallas' first trip to the Western Conference Finals since 2008. And the Stars are getting a majority of their scoring from their depth players, which is just huge. Uh, More depth scoring than any other team, really. And Stars have had the most, most points from their defensemen in the playoffs as well, which is another main reason why they're here. But if the Stars' top line of Ben Sagan and Radulov... If they would start scoring, I think they actually got split up for game one as well, but if they, if those three would start scoring, this series is going to be over in a hurry. But they haven't shown an ability to really to do that consistently. So I think uh, Vegas Vegas is going gonna, is gonna to hang in there. and um, They're very solid on the back end as well, Vegas is. So I think it's going to be a dogfight, but uh, I'm going to take the homer route and say stars and seven. Uh, But in the East, Tampa Bay Lightning and New York Islanders. Um, This series, the Lightning announced that Steven Stamkos is out for the entire series. Um, You know, they had extended rest, so I kind of like them to come out looking sharp. Um, The Islanders are just, they've just kept playing. 
uh, again, I, I said this last week or last time I talked about the Islanders. They're just not flashy, but they're good and consistent. And I mean, even without Stamkos, the uh, Lightning lineup is still uh, very, very good. And um, as much as I want to pick the Islanders, I just Tampa Bay, man, they they got too much firepower. Uh, more so than than they've than the Islanders have seen. So I'm going to go Tampa Bay in seven games. I think both conference finals will go seven. Uh, but I'm going to say a Dallas Tampa Bay Stanley Cup finals. But we'll have to see how that ends up here uh, over this next week or so. But we'll move over to the National Basketball Association. And the NBA's finished up with their quarterfinal round. Uh, series and last week I gave you a recap of my quarterfinal round picks for the Eastern Conference and I went 4 and 0 in those picks correctly picking all four teams. So in the Western Conference, the number 1 seed LA Lakers played the number 8 seed Portland Trailblazers. And Portland entered the playoffs just blazing hot and I really wanted to pick them, but I ended up picking the Lakers because of the LeBron James factor and I was correct about that because the Lakers won the series in five games. Now, Dame Lillard got hurt, ended up missing game five, which was basically the nail in the coffin for the Blazers. But uh, next up, the number two seed LA Clippers played my Dallas Mavericks, number seven seed. And Luka Doncic, man, that kid, it was his first career playoff series, and all he did was ball out. Uh, The Mavs looked really good at times, and they made the series interesting when they tied it two games apiece on that uh, clutch uh, overtime buzzer beater from Doncic. But uh, I picked the Clippers in six, and I was correct about that. Uh, Clippers just pulled away in games five and six to finish off the Mavericks. But uh, the other two series in the West were a pair of game sevens. The number three seed Denver Nuggets played the number six seed Utah Jazz. And this one was tough to predict. Uh, I ended up picking the Nuggets, but the Jazz actually had a 3-1 series lead. Uh, And then it turned into the Jamal Murray show for the Nuggets. I mean, Murray was just a maniac. And he really put the Nuggets on his shoulders and carried them right on through three straight wins. And Denver ended up winning in seven games. Um, but the last Western Conference series was the number four seed Houston Rockets against the number five seed Oklahoma City Thunder. And this series was just crazy. Uh, I picked the Rockets, but uh, Chris Paul for the Thunder, man, he can continue to show that he's just getting better with age. And he gave the Thunder a chance, and he had a massive triple-double in game six to uh, force the game seven. But uh, in the game seven, the Rockets' depth, just proved uh, too much for the Thunder. Uh, James Harden was actually quiet in Game 7, but the Rockets still found a way to win, um, making my pick correct on that as well. So in summation, I win a perfect 8-0 in my NBA quarterfinal round picks. Now, I made my picks for the Eastern Conference semifinal round on last week's episode uh, because that series had gotten underway. Uh, I picked the Milwaukee Bucks over the Miami Heat, and the Toronto Raptors over the Boston Celtics. And I'm in some trouble because those are picks are not looking good. Uh, Miami has 
been dominant over the Bucks so far and could easily represent the East in the finals. Uh, and Milwaukee Bucks star Giannis Antetokounmpo, he just can't seem to get his ankle healthy. He keeps hurting that thing in every game, and he's a game-time decision for Game 5. But if he doesn't play, the Bucks have zero chance of winning or coming back in this series. And it's really going to take a miracle for them to come back at this point anyways. But the other series was Toronto and Boston. And Toronto needed a game-winning three-pointer at the buzzer to beat Boston to avoid a 3-0 series deficit. Now, Toronto has since tied the series at two games apiece, but then they lost uh, on Monday night to Boston. So uh, I'm not looking good in either one of those picks there. But in the West, the Lakers are playing the Rockets. And Houston can score from anywhere and put up points like nobody's business. Um, but the Lakers, they have two of the best five players in the entire NBA, in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So I just can't pick against them. Uh, I'm going to take the Lakers in six. Um, again, LeBron James factor. It just, I can't see them losing in the second round. Uh, but next, the uh, the Clippers are playing the Nuggets. And boy, the Clippers look like they're capable of looking in games five and six against the Mavericks. And if they continue to play like that, they're going to beat anybody. And uh, Denver's coming off a long seven-game series. They had to use a ton of energy uh, just to get to the semifinals here. So I just, I, I, I wouldn't be really surprised. I mean, they're the three seed playing the two seed. So I wouldn't be super shocked if they won. But I'm going to take the Clippers in six. I just think... Uh, L.A. had the extra rest, and they really didn't have to play as hard in games five and six against the Mavericks. And that's going to set up a Los Angeles, Los Angeles Western Conference final. So that'll be interesting to see if that comes out. But these series should be done in the next week or so. So we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, but uh, next up is the National Football League. And the NFL is officially back. And I am super pumped for football to be here. I know college football got started this past weekend with some, um, you know, lower tier games. But uh, it's just nice to have football. It's going to look very different this year. Uh, but, hey, at least the NFL has found a way to get football on the field. Uh, fans or no fans, some fans, it doesn't matter. Season is set to begin this Thursday night as Patrick Mahomes and the defending Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs take on the newly extended Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. And what a great game to start that season's slate. You know, I mean, it's you got two good teams, AFC rivals, um, perennial playoff teams now. So it's a great way to start. But uh the season is starting on Thursday, so I'll use this uh, segment to predict the division winners and my Super Bowl predictions. Now, keep in mind this year that the NFL is expanding their playoffs. So one more team from each conference makes the playoffs this year for a total of seven teams from each conference. And only the top overall seed from each conference gets a first-round bye, which is a reduction from the two teams that we've seen previously get a first-round bye. Um, so I'll go division by division here and just make my division winner picks, and then I'll just give you a, a Super Bowl prediction just 
once we get closer to the playoffs, I'll make my playoff predictions and everything. But uh, in the AFC West, you have the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Raiders, and the Chargers. And I think this is Kansas City's division to lose. Um, They cleaned up last year, uh, got better in the offseason, if you could do that. Um, So I'm going to say the Chiefs win that division. And then um, I'm going to say the Broncos and Raiders duke it out for that second spot. Maybe the Raiders come out on top of that one. Um, and then the Chargers, they're they're still struggling, I think, um, holding up the rear in that division this year. Um, the AFC East... This has been the Patriots division for um, years, uh, a decade, it seems like. Uh, the Bills, Jets, and Dolphins have all been just a complete laughing stock um, for the last decade. Uh, but this year, I think the Bills have a legitimate chance to uh, uproot the Patriots from that top spot. Um, their defense is ferocious. And they just added Stephon Diggs to that offense with Josh Allen. So uh, I'm going to actually pick the Bills to win the division. But I think the Patriots will still get in as a wild card team for the playoffs. And then I think the Dolphins are probably going to finish third. Uh, They've made a lot of improvements to their team this year, especially on defense. Spent a lot of money on uh, top free agents. So uh, I think the Jets are going to bring up the rear on that one. Now the AFC North... Uh, this is pretty much a two-team race in this one. The Ravens and the Steelers. Um, and then, of course, you got the Browns and the Bengals. The Bengals are going to be last in that division. Uh, Joe Burrow's looks he Joe Burrow looks good um, as a rookie. He'll he'll probably have a decent season. AJ Green comes back, but um, I, they're still not going to make enough noise. Uh, Cleveland, man, they just can't get out of their own way. Uh, it seems like I just I think the Browns will probably be better than the six and ten that they were last year. Uh, maybe an eight and eight finish this year, nine and seven. But you got two teams in the Ravens and the Steelers who are just uh, perennially really good, solid playoff teams. And of course, Lamar Jackson, um, NFL's MVP last year. You know the Ravens are looking good to. Uh, to finish, of course, uh, maybe as the overall top seed in the AFC again. We'll see. But I think the Ravens will win the division. The Steelers will get into the playoffs as a wild card. And the Browns will just kind of be hanging around fighting for that last wild card spot. But in the AFC South, um, you got the Texans, the Titans, the Colts, and the Jaguars. And, I mean, right off the bat, you can write the Jaguars off. All they've done is just clean house. Um, they got rid of Yannick Ngakwe. They cut Leonard Fournette. They are in full tank mode to try and get Trevor Lawrence next year. So the Jags are going to be at the cellar uh, of this division, making this a three-team race. Um, I, I just think, you know, Indianapolis with Phillip Rivers this year, and of course they got DeForest Buckner on defense. I think the Colts are going to make a Big jump up from the seven and nine that they were last year. I can see the Colts winning this division, 
Now, the Texans and Titans, uh, I think they're going to duke it out for that second spot in the division, possible wild card. And I know the Titans went to the AFC playoff game, AFC championship game last year, but um, I, I just... I don't really trust Ryan Tannehill over a full season. He showed glimpses last year, and the the Titans' offense was pretty good when he was under center, of course, mainly thanks to Derrick Henry. But I'm going to say the Texans are going to finish ahead of the Titans, and the Titans may end up missing the playoffs this year. Um, But over in the NFC, uh, the NFC West, uh, 49ers, Seahawks, Rams, and Cardinals. Um, Cardinals are much improved this year. They got DeAndre Hopkins. Rams, they lost Brandon Cooks uh, and Todd Gurley. I can see them maybe falling back a bit from their 9-7. and seven. Um, And then the 49ers and Seahawks. I don't think the 49ers are going to continue to um, look as good as they have. I think they're a good team. Uh, but with the addition of Jamal Adams in Seattle, I like Seattle to win the division. And then the 49ers will be right behind them in second. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals jumped up past the Rams this year. Um, I just like what Arizona's doing on offense. Um, But the NFC North, you have the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears, and the Lions. And this has always been, you know, it seems like the last decade as well with Aaron Rodgers, it seems like it's Green Bay's division to lose. Uh, But I like Minnesota this year. Uh, They lost Stephon Diggs, but replaced him with Justin Jefferson. Uh, Rodgers, the Packers didn't get Rodgers any help on offense. Uh, No, they didn't draft a single receiver. Uh, And of course, one of their receivers that they signed, Devin Funches, he opted out of the season. So, I think uh I think it's Minnesota. I think they they have a chance. They just of course they got Yannick and Gakwe as well to add to that defense. Um so I'm gonna say Minnesota wins the division and Green Bay will be right behind them and then Chicago will be third and those poor Lions they just uh they bring up the caboose uh every every year it seems like. But uh the NFC East you get the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Giants, and the Washington football team. Um, Washington football team, they're, I don't see how they can finish anywhere but last in this division. Um, I just, I, I know you know I'm a Cowboys homer, but I just think this year the Cowboys have a much better team than they did last year. And the Eagles have had two massive injuries, one on the offensive line, um, with Andre Dillard and the uh, uh, and uh, Brandon Brooks too, their guards. So they've lost two of their five offensive linemen for the year. Um, I just think that the Cowboys' revamped defensive line is going to be too much. The offense with the addition of C.D. Lamb just going to be absolutely unstoppable. They may score 500 points this year, um, but I'm going to say the Cowboys win the division. Philly will be right behind them. Then the Giants will be a pretty good ways back from the Eagles. And then, of course, the Washington football team. That's just a mess right now. Uh, they'd be lucky to win four games. <clears throat> but uh, the NFC South, um, New Orleans, of course, you got 
Atlanta Falcons, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Carolina Panthers. And all we've heard about from this division this offseason is how Tampa Bay, they got Brady, they got Gronk. Uh, now they re- they just recently signed Leonard Fournette. They just are um, really, they've improved that team so much. I just, I think the Saints are still the team to beat. I think the Saints are going to win the division. Tampa Bay is going to be right behind them. I would probably expect Tampa to be in the playoffs. And then, of course, that leaves the Panthers and the Falcons. Um, I'm going to say the Falcons finish ahead of the Panthers um, just based on the fact that they got Todd Gurley to go in that offense with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan. Um, But those are my division picks. Um, Like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll make playoff picks and Super Bowl picks um later on in the year whenever we get closer to that but uh we'll go around the island now just some quick hit topics to get into we'll keep it in the national football league um some contract extensions that occurred over the past week um houston texans and quarterback Deshaun watson they agreed to a four-year 160 million dollar contract uh it's actually worth a total of 177.5 million uh, with 111 of that guaranteed money. It is now the second largest contract in NFL history behind, of course, the outrageous contract of Patrick Mahomes that was signed about a month ago. And so Watson's tied, tied to Houston for at least the next four seasons past this one. And so they'll look to continue to build around him. Uh, but not to be outdone, we got a couple more that happened over the weekend. Uh, the Buffalo Bills, I mentioned their defense. Well, Cornerback Tredavious White signed a four-year deal with Buffalo, four-year extension rather, worth $70 million, including $55 guaranteed. And that's just a massive contract for a, a corner. Um, but he's probably, if he's not the best corner in the league, he is 1B. And uh, he just solidifies that nasty Buffalo defense for sure. Um, Los Angeles Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen, four-year extension for him. His is worth $80 million, 50 of that guaranteed. And he's been pretty consistent over the last few years as a top 10 wide receiver. Now, he loses Phillip Rivers this past year, or this uh, this season, uh, but Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert, a combination of them at quarterback, should at least keep him in uh, consideration as a top-tier wide receiver. Um, now, just early on Tuesday, the Arizona Cardinals announced that they've have signed wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins to a two-year deal worth $54.5 million, $42.5 of that guaranteed. And this deal is the highest uh, non-quarterback deal in league history, uh, which is not really a surprise. Uh, New Hopkins is just a perennial all-pro, uh, one of the best wide receivers in the game. Arizona made a big trade to acquire him in the offseason, shipping off David Johnson, uh, and so you knew they were going to re-sign him. And that offense, like I mentioned, is going to be good this year. They got all kinds of weapons for Kyler Murray, and it should be fun to watch. But uh, free agent news, Judavian Clowney finally found a home. Uh, he's been unsigned all offseason after just his outrageous contract demands. Nobody bid on it, and uh, Clowney actually fired his agent. And then within, he hired a new one, basically he he hired and fired within 
you know, a short time frame. And then within 24 hours of hiring his new agent, he actually had a contract that was agreed to with the Tennessee Titans. So, um, but he, he hasn't been in any kind of training camp or practice. So he's going to take several weeks to get up to speed, uh, and get that system figured out. But, uh, last week I mentioned the Jacksonville Jaguars. They, uh, they cut Leonard Fournette and, in my division predictions, I mentioned that the Buccaneers signed Leonard Fournette. So the Bucks have a crowded backfield with LaShawn McCoy, Ronald Jones, and now Leonard Fournette. So we'll see what kind of role Fournette has. Um, he comes in as probably the best running back on their roster, but I have a feeling they're good, that they're going to be using a committee uh, approach, at least to start the season. Now, the NFL's roster cutdown deadline was 3 p.m. this past Saturday, and there were some notable names to get cut from their teams. Some of those players included New England Patriots wide receiver Mohamed Sanu, Dallas Cowboys safety HaHa Clinton Dix, Washington football team's running back Adrian Peterson, and Miami Dolphins quarterback Josh Rosen. And a couple of those guys have already found new homes. Uh, future Hall of Famer Adrian Peterson... He signed a one-year deal with the Detroit Lions to give them even more running back depth uh, even after they drafted DeAndre Swift in the second round this year uh, and Carrion Johnson the year before that. And then Josh Rosen, he signed a deal with who else other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Rosen's going to be on the Bucks practice squad, uh, and, man, he just can't catch a break. He was a top-10 pick a couple years ago, and this is already the third team that he's been on. But um, the final NFL news uh, deals with uh, COVID testing. And the last week of August, from August 21st to August 29th, the NFL administered 58,621 COVID tests. And out of those, almost 60,000, they only had four players and six personnel members test positive, which is a very low positive percentage, and it's very promising for this season starting off on the right foot. Now, the NFL also announced that all players and staff are going to be tested daily throughout the season with the exception of game days. So the only day during the week that the players aren't going to be tested is going to be on their game days, whether it's Thursday, Sunday, or Monday. Now, that seems pretty hardcore, but with football being the extreme contact sport that it is, it's probably necessary uh, and that's not to mention that you're going to have your teams traveling to other cities to play their away games. So you want to be on top of any positive tests that would come up, just like baseball has kind of been able to do uh, with that. Um, but I'm just really hoping that the NFL can continue to show that low positive percentage trend during the season and that we don't have a massive amount of game postponements like we've seen in Major League Baseball. But... Um, some other news in the NBA, um, the major news anyways, over the weekend was outside of the playoff eliminations was the announcement that the Brooklyn Nets have hired Steve Nash as their head coach. Now Nash signed a four year contract to be the Nets head coach. And there was a lot of controversy surrounding this signing, uh, because Nash has zero coaching experience. He was a terrific player. Uh, but what Nash does have is leadership high basketball IQ, and just overall playing innovation. Um, he's also got a close relationship with Brooklyn Nets star Kevin Durant. 
and he was Nash was a coaching consultant with the Golden State Warriors several seasons ago uh, during two of their most recent championship runs. So that's why he's close to Durant. Um, so he does have maybe uh, a limited exposure to coaching, but Nash himself, uh, as a player, is a Hall of Fame player. Uh, he's two-time NBA MVP, eight-time All-Star, and he's third all-time in the NBA in assists. So um, he knows how to play a game. He's got a good NBA mind. I think it's a good signing for the Nets. Um, Nash is going to inherit a very talented roster that includes two superstars, of course, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I'm um, just curious to see how uh, Nash handles the pressure of running a team. Uh, he's reached out to... Uh, Dirk Nowitzki to maybe help out as a coach, and I don't think Dirk accepted that. But um, you know, he's he's looking to put together a, another uh, few guys for a for a successful coaching staff. And I'd look for Brooklyn to probably be a strong playoff contender next season uh, when they're all fully healthy. But a quick revisit to the NHL. Uh, last December, Philadelphia Flyers young forward Oscar Lindblom was diagnosed with Ewing sarcoma, which is a a bone cancer. And he underwent months and months of treatment. And um, he just completed those treatments this past July when he was pronounced cancer-free. And so Lindblom joined the Flyers in the bubble. And this past week, he actually suited up and played for the Flyers in their series against the Islanders. Uh, That is just truly an amazing story. Uh, He is... Lindblom's super young, just getting started in his NHL career. So regardless of how his career turns out, he's already a winner. He's a warrior and uh, just a remarkable story. Uh, But final note here from Major League Baseball, the MLB has successfully completed a week in their regular season without a positive COVID test. And that might just be a Christmas miracle. With how the season started off, I didn't think we'd see a week without one, but we have. And that's great news moving forward. Um, They already announced announced the playoff bubble format that they're going to use here uh, in a few weeks. Um, But, you know, that's it's just good news for Major League Baseball and really for the NFL, too, because the NFL is following the same format of allowing teams to play in their home stadiums and travel for their away games uh, and and not use a bubble situation. So it's good news for for Major League Baseball and for the NFL, especially with their low positive test rates that they've reported thus far as well. Uh, But that's going to wrap up the 12th episode of Sports Island. That makes it a dirty dozen so far. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Um, Continue to listen, share, review. And uh, you can find me on Facebook at Sports Island Podcast. But uh, appreciate you guys listening and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you guys next week. Have a good week. Stay safe and be well. Catch you on Sports Island next week.